I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute, and if you're new here, welcome! My name's Bailey Evan, I'm your host, and on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. You guys, can I tell you a sad story? It involves me every day going to my podcast, looking at my reviews, and hoping that I have one more than 27, and that I have one more written review, and each day it's like a tiny letdown. And I send my brother every day those little googly-eyed one, like the really sad puppy eye emoji, asking him to write me a podcast review. And to this day, he hasn't done it. So to cheer me up tomorrow when I go and look at, at it, make it not say 27, give me another written review. I will be eternally grateful. Please subscribe and follow my blog at baileyevan.com, B-A-I-L-E-Y-E-V-I-N, and my YouTube and my Instagram while you're at it. Why not? Join the party. Some updates. Y'all, Verge, let me know that the Rapture book I was talking about in last week's podcast when we were talking about the Doomsday Preppers was called Left Behind. And then I went down a dark hole of Wikipediaing and good reading uh, left behind. And the Goodread reviews are hilarious. Like, people drag that book. I recommend reading those because I don't recommend reading the book. And then it also reminded me that multiple movies were made off this series, and one of them starred Nicolas Cage. Like, why did Nicolas Cage think this was a good idea? Did he like these books? I need to know. Can we get a cut article on that, please? This past weekend, I went to Austin for my friend Chelsea's birthday. I have to shout out Chelsea because she is a very loyal listener of Kinda Cute. I mean, she might not listen to every episode, but she's one of those people who listens to Pod Save America, NPR, very legit stuff, very educational very mind engaging and not the drivel that I talk about. So the fact that she ever listens to this, I just have to say shout out to her. Happy birthday. Her birthday isn't yet, but you know, you can never have too many happy birthdays. Austin was fun. I'm working on a vlog about it right now. As you will see, we just ate and drank, which is my norm. And the food there was very, very spicy. The weird thing about it is that they don't tell you when the food is going to be spicy or not. I think it's just assumed that it's spicy. So if you are very spicy intolerant, you need to straight up being like, I need mild, okay? Like mild, because otherwise you're gonna get spicy. And it was all delicious food. I loved everywhere we ate. Uh, we, If you're familiar, we ate at Odd Duck, Emmer and Rice, so like the classic awesome places. A Torchies, which is just their version of like a Moe's, but we had to get some breakfast tacos. Um, we went to this new wine bar called Lola. Whatever, watch my vlog, you'll get to see it all. Moving on from my life, in a surprise to no one, and according to the Daily Mail, everyone is canceling going to Prince Andrew's 60th birthday party, and that's what you get for being a disgusting perv. And the Daily Mail's headline is pretty good. It says, the fizz goes out of Prince Andrew's 60th birthday as friends shun invites to his party, leaving Sarah Ferguson to ask more guests to make up the numbers. Oof, sad. Maybe don't be a pedophile, and then people will go to your 60th birthday, boo-boo. Moving on to our first cut article of the day, we have To All the Girls He's Loved Before, Welcome to Jordan Fisher's Real Life Rom-Com by Sanjita Singh Kurtz. Now let's be honest, I'm partially including this because I want to discuss the sequel of To All the Boys, which just hit Netflix last week. They very conveniently released it two days before Valentine's Day. They know what they're doing. And I don't think I'm going to say anything that's particularly spoilery, but if you're worried, skip ahead a few minutes. 
So some thoughts that Elena and Kenzie and I all shared that you probably do too, which is why I want to talk about them if you've seen it, is that we felt like the inclusion of Blackpink was very on the nose. Uh, Blackpink's a Korean K-pop band, in case you aren't familiar. They're amazing. But it was just funny because in the first movie, they do all these very kind of overtly Korean things like getting the Korean yogurt. And it's great. I love that they are displaying Korean culture in that way or in any way, in, in, in any way, it's good that it's being portrayed um, in a film. But we just thought the Blackpink inclusion was just kind of random and very on the nose, but it's a great song. And then we also thought that the necklace that Peter gives Lara Jean is disgusting. And he did not even take note of the fact that she wears gold jewelry. She had little gold hoops in, but you get this bitch a Pandora-ass silver necklace. Honestly, it's like he doesn't even pay attention to her. And then he takes that shit back. That's just rude. Uh, but poor Noah. I feel like he's been sucked into the machine. Again, Noah Centineo plays Peter Kavinsky, Lara Jean's main love interest, and to all the boys and the sequel. And I feel like he had lost a little bit of sparkle in this movie. And maybe it was just how it was written. But it felt at times like he was just going through the motion and not really being able to display his full charm like did you guys know that in the first movie where he does the little thing where he puts his hand in her back pocket and she spins around he improv that okay that is classic Noah Centineo dream internet boyfriend and that was lacking in this movie but with all that being said I licked up that movie like it was the most delicious bowl of Brambleberry Crisp ice cream from Jenny's if you don't know that's the best ice cream flavor ever and I'd watch it again. Let's be real. But it does not have the same sparkle as the first. It's nice. It's fluffy. It's like this podcast and that it's easily digestible. So why not watch it? What else are you doing? And this article, though, is more about John and Bros, who is the other part of the love triangle with Lara Jean and Peter Gaminsky. And he's played by Jordan Fisher. So I've said it before, I'll say it again, Sanjita gets the best assignments. If you will recall, she also interviewed Manny Jacinto, and I swear I'll get back to Jordan Fisher in a second, but can I also just say that I finished the series finale of The Good Place, and I cried profusely. Like, I could not stop crying. I can't remember the last time I cried that long. It was like a blubbering baby fork I will miss that show it's so forking good okay back to John Ambrose this is what Sanjita writes I love again I know I've said this before but I love when they give like the the details when they walk in and what they're wearing that's why when I was younger I wanted to work for a magazine because I would envision myself writing about a celebrity like Jennifer Aniston walked in with a perfectly undone white t-shirt tucked into her mom jeans like I I had it all planned out that was going to be my life so this is the closest I can get guys So she writes, Jordan Fisher is perfectly on time and perfectly dressed. He's in a dove gray suit with a diamond stud in one ear and a glittering crucifix in the other. A scribble of tattoos peek out of his left sleeve. He smiles, a nose crinkling, I'm thrilled to be here with you in this freezing coffee shop smile. And then he pulls a cup of pudding out of his coat pocket. How are you doing today? Good morning to you, he says, apologizing for the presence of, and I quote, ratchet pocket pudding. It's not like it's jello. It's fancy, famous banana pudding from Magnolia Bakery, but still. He pops it open and starts to eat. I want to figure out a way to make this my wedding cake, he says. Now, y'all, I have never had 
banana pudding from Magnolia's itself, like from the store, went and bought it. But I have their recipe and I make it at home and it's the type of pudding that people fall in love with. You actually might be able to get someone to fall in love with you just by making them this pudding. So just Google it, Google Magnolia banana pudding recipe online. You'll find the recipe and you'll thank me later. That could be the legit shit for this week, but I got another for you guys. Don't worry. So Jordan's been acting for a while. He's currently in Evan Hansen on Broadway, and he was in Hamilton for a while. He won Dancing with the Stars. I'd say he's one of those very true triple threat performers. He he was also in Grease Live, where uh, Vanessa Hudgens was in, that same production of it. He is a triple threat. He can do it all. So Sanjita asks him about his starts, his start, I'm sorry, in acting. And if this ain't the most John Ambrose thing you've ever heard, then I don't know what is. He says, he tells me he got his start thanks to a moment of puppy love when he quit elementary school gymnastics to join the drama club. I had a crush on a girl in fifth grade. New girl. She asked me to join. He shrugs. That was it. And in another twist of fate, listen to this, guys. So All the Boys sequel is all about reconnecting with a childhood sweetheart. And in his off-screen life, Fisher really did reconnect with one. Ellie Woods. I No one's acknowledging that this chick's name is Elle Woods. Hello. His best friend from his hometown of Birmingham, Alabama, who he met when he was 13. Woods visited Fisher in New York when he was starring in Hamilton. She came up to see it and we got dinner afterwards. And that was it, he says, almost sighing. His life, as he tells it, is a series of that was it. It just took time and space and having our own relationships and experiences to bring us back to each other in a totally different way with different eyes and a different heart for one another and now they're getting married next year and I need to tell Jordan that he can just whip up this banana pudding at home and he don't need to buy that much because that'd be expensive whip it up yourself honey it's cheap just get yourself some vanilla wafers some cream some pudding easy and all I have to say about all of this is that this Elle Woods girl she knew what she was doing she hears all of a sudden he's in Hamilton. So maybe a friend texts her, oh my God, did you see Jordan and it's in Hamilton? And she's like, oh, okay. I might need to make myself visible again in his life. I'll send him a little reminder. And he's over here thinking this was serendipity, but you know this girl was scheming and you know she got the, the little claws in. And for that, I give her props. <laughs> oh my God, Kenzie's covering her mouth not to laugh. But it's true. You guys know it's true. All right, moving on. To do y'all a favor, I'm burying the sad shit in the middle of talking about articles. And I don't like to talk about Harvey Weinstein all the time, but he just gives me so much to talk about because he's such a dirtbag. And really, the reason I want to talk about this is because I think Ambra is a hero and she's so brave and she deserves to be talked about and known about by everyone. So the title of this is The Woman Who Taped Harvey Weinstein by Erin Carmen. And she writes, in 2015, five years before Weinstein was hauled into the state Supreme Court in Manhattan, there was Ambra Batilana Gutierrez. The Italian Filipina model was only 22 when she went to a Tribeca precinct with a startling story. She told police that earlier that day in a business meeting, Weinstein had groped her breasts and put his hands up her skirt. The police asked her to wear a wire and she met with Weinstein again. And the next day she captured him admitting that he had touched her breasts. Oh, please. I'm sorry, he said, badgering her to go into his hotel room. I won't do it again. I'll never do another thing to you. Five minutes. Don't ruin your friendship with me for five minutes. Gutierrez was certain that mission would be the smoking gun to bring Weinstein to justice, but she soon realized she had been naive. 
Under pressure from Weinstein's powerful lawyers and his scorched earth publicity campaign against Gutierrez, Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance declined to charge Weinstein. She eventually signed a million dollar non-disclosure agreement with him, citing fears for her family, but she held on to what she called her escape plan, which was a copy of the Weinstein recordings. Two years later, she took matters into her own hands and she authorized the New Yorker to publish part of the recordings in 2017. I mostly thought of other women that could have been put in the middle of this, she said in an interview. I felt that as I had been alone, I wanted to be that person that would have been there for others. So Amber talks about the process and how she was treated, and this part really struck me. She said, the special victims unit was really on my side. After I wore a wire, they were saying, Amber, you did it. You put him in jail. He's going to go to jail. And that night she went home and of course I was escorted and everything and because I was paranoid and all but I was kind of feeling okay it's done but Martha Bashford who was the former head of the sex crimes unit interrogated her asking like she was a criminal with questions like have you ever been a prostitute have you ever gotten gifts have you ever asked for a movie role and I'm like did you hear the recordings the recordings made it clear that this person was absolutely pushing for me to go in that room and to assault me pushing the fact that my career was going to be ruined and he's a famous person and I'm nothing so that wasn't clear even if I was a prostitute which I was not every person has the right to not do things with people they don't want to I remember the moment I left that room after the interrogation I got I thought this is not going right she talks about how she was shunned in New York not just from work but even getting into restaurants after you know, this came out. And when she found out the DA wasn't going to prosecute her claims uh, from the front of a newspaper, so they didn't even call her themselves. And she explained that part of the reason she signed an NDA was because someone came to her brother and was asking about her whereabouts. And this understandably scared her. And she really fought to hold on to the recordings. She, they had said she had to give up her phone, her computer, all of her emails, clear everything out. And she basically hid them on an account she didn't know the password for and was able to retrieve them without triggering that she had opened the email. And I also think she does a great job of explaining why accusers oftentimes maintain contact with their abusers. And she said... He's very good at manipulating people. If you already break someone enough to make them so powerless and weak and tell them you're not going to do anything in your life if you don't do what I say, you believe you have no other choice. I knew what it meant for me to lose everything. So shout outs to Amber. I just think it's incredible she did this at such a young age. And again, just to get context to why people don't come forward in these situations and Harvey's gross. Goodbye. Moving on to something much more light and fun. Put this man on the famous Chris list by Carenza Cadenas. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the famous Chris's. It's basically all the bland white men who are objectively hot and in big movies and big movie stars. So we've got Pine, we've got Pratt, we've got Hemsworth, and we've got Evans. Now, Carenza rates them with Pratt at the bottom. And I am a huge Chris Pratt fan. I would like to point out that I was a fan of him in Everwood, basically his start. I was a fan of him in, as Andy in Parks and Rec. I was much more a fan of that Chris Pratt and the one with uh, Otta Harris than I am the current one that's all buff and with Katherine Schwarzenegger, but whatever. I still don't think I'd rate him last. I'd probably put Pine last if I'm being honest. Uh, I just don't think he really does it for me. He's in uh, Wonder Woman. Is that her name? Yeah, Wonder Woman. And I don't think uh, he's fine. He's a sidekick. But what Carenza says is I'm proposing that we kick 
Pratt off the chrysalis and in his place let's add a Chris who can really hone his hold his own physically emotionally and spiritually and the Chris for that job is Chris Messina and if you aren't sold let's hear her reasoning Chris Messina our wavy haired short king has earned his stripes he's just as handsome as the other four Chris's and he has charisma and real acting chops to boot he's a chameleon in a non-intimidatingly perfectly muscular body even without a big Marvel or DC movie under his belt, Messina's had plenty of chances to prove his sexiness. He even had a fondness for full frontal nudity, which you can witness in 28 hotel rooms and digging on fire. Do you guys need to take notes? Do you need me to say that again? 28 hotel rooms and digging on fire. You're welcome. So I also perused the comments on this article, and there was much agreement. I would say unanimous agreement with comments like this. The only problem with adding Chris Messina to the Chris list is that on seeing him, you immediately forget who the rest of them are. And if that is not a standing ovation, I don't know what is. And I just think he was such a perfect love interest in the Mindy Project. He, his back and forth with Mindy is what made the first and second seasons of the Mindy Project so good. I never finished that series because like once that was all resolved, I just, it didn't have the same sparkle. But Mindy, girl, I know that you just like to cast your crushes in your your leading man roles, and you always do a thaboosh job. All right, last up. Damn, this influencer almost pulled off one huge scam by Amanda Arnold. Now, y'all know I can't go too long without talking about an Instagram scammer, and neither can the cut, so it really is a symbiotic relationship that works out for both of us. So... Amanda writes, as long as the sun continues to rise, the most cunning among us will continue to scam. Most recently, a 22-year-old influencer from New Jersey is accused of stealing more than a million dollars from her social media followers and local businesses. So on February 13th, she was arrested and charged uh, by the federal authorities. She goes by at Goldie on Instagram. She had 300,000 followers. So according to the complaint, and she did this on people who were many of them under 18, Now, it's kind of complicated, but I just like the fact that someone could even have this thought process blows my mind. So she would post monies of money or I'm sorry, photos of money orders and stacks of cash on her Instagram stories. And then she would caption it with something like, if you got a bank account and you're interested in making legal money, hit me up ASAP. Then she would encourage the individuals to empty their bank accounts before providing their debit card and PIN. And then she would deposit fraudulent checks using the names of real businesses into the followers' accounts, but then withdraw the cash before the bank could flag it or retract it. And so by the time these victims realized that something was wrong, Masa would have blocked them on social media. And she apparently had nine alleged co-conspirators, and they would all brag about all the money and clothing they got using the money. And... I just don't know. I wish this was more like the Troy Becker story, which was very, very weird. But this is just sad. I hate scams. And it just feels like they're constantly evolving. And how can you even keep up with them? It's just one new thing after another. Like, are are any of us safe, guys? But on that note, let's talk legit shit. Guys, this is one I've talked about on my blog before. But it's so good, it also deserves to be on the pod. And... 
Now, I'll say that I've gone through about four container changes of this item. I'm pretty sure they have tweaked the formula. The price keeps changing. It keeps getting smaller. But with all that being said, I cannot quit it. And that is the Purifying Mud Mask by Sephora. Like I said, I think it used to go by a slightly different name. But from what I can tell, this is meant to be the same product, albeit slightly different, smaller, whatever. It's still great. It's a clay mask, so I have dry skin. It's not something I'd be using all the time, but you know, every other week. It does such a good job of getting rid of like little bumps and texture on your face. So take $20, go get this mask, treat yourself, do a hair mask, eat a popsicle. I don't know. Do you, boo-boo. And I will see you next week. Bye! <sighs>